0: Welcome back to a special episode of Doctor Movie. Uh, my my good friend Dan Bone is with me from Podcast on Honey Hill, and you hear me say it all the time. Matter of fact, I had already recorded uh, an episode for this movie that he requested, but Ooh. I thought, what better way to talk about this than to just have him come on the show and just, just do something special together? So, Dan, what's
1: up, buddy? Hey, how you doing? It's amazing to speak with you again, Rick. Uh, I've missed talking to you and talking movies with you. Yeah, and that's that's the, the, the
0: bad part of doing a solo show is you kind of miss that interaction. So, you know, I thought, why not? This may be something we try to do regularly. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person to start with. And what a movie to start with, too. So this is going to be a whole bunch of fun. And again, if you don't know who Dan is, if you're listening to my show at all, then you need to turn this off. <laughs> well, not because of Dan, but you need to turn this off and go listen to the podcast on Ident Hill because obviously it's one of the best podcasts that's out there. It's one of the first ones I really got into, and it's always a thrill to get together and talk with – I'd love to have both of them come on sometime. Maybe we can make that work out sometime. You never know. But, uh, never know. You never know. But uh, I, I think Dan and I share the same movie spirit animal. <laughs> we, we, we do. <laughs> So we love so much of the same stuff. And he brought up 1987's fantasy sci-fi flick, Masters of the Universe, yo. (laughs) (laughs) A canon movie. It's a canon flick in every form or fashion. If you're not familiar with canon, you are missing out on a boatload of crazy wackiness. It's like you don't know where it's going to go, but you're going to end up loving the movie, right?
1: That's just kind of how canon rolls. If you like ninjas, breakdancing, kung fu, uh, sword, sorcery, uh, exorcism, and a million other things thrown in, then go and just randomly select about ten canon movies, and you'll have a blast. I was going to say, you
0: just named – you just brought up the Ninja 3, I and mean, you just described Ninja 3, that whole thing right there. It's <laughs> got all of it. it. <laughs> Maybe we need to return for that one. How about that?
1: Ooh, I, lo- I love that movie.
0: I do, too. It's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've done that movie on every version of a podcast I've done so far, because I love it so much. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about another canon masterpiece, if you want to call it that. Master of the Universe-a-piece. Oh. Like I said, 1987. Based on the cartoon, if you will. Uh, I don't know if you saw the making of kind of story. What
1: was the movies that made us, or... Something yeah, back the, the, mo- the well, there was the toys that made us. Toys that? that made
0: us. That was the okay. that was the one I
1: think. There is a movies that made us as well, but they haven't. T- I don't think they're going to do this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it, the story is is you know the entire franchise was based off action figures that they really didn't have a story for, so they just they had a guy go in and sell the idea and made up the story on the spot. So they basically had to run back and. Make up this story to match <laughs> the action figures to have the cartoon. It's kind of like putting the cart before the horse. And uh, we'll talk about that as we go along with this movie. But come on, man. Master Universe. I'll read the synopsis. It's pretty simple. When evil Skeletor finds a mysterious power called the Cosmic Key. That's a new one for you. <laughs> he becomes nearly invincible. However, a courageous warrior, He-Man, locates inventor Guildor. And uh, who created the key and has another version of it, and that just leads to a whole bunch of uh, shenanigans. Trouble, there's trouble on Earth. That's trouble what happens. On
1: earth. Uh, you want to talk
0: about this cast for a minute?
1: Yeah. Well, obviously we've got um, the main man himself, Dolph Lundgren. Right. I must break you. That must If he is it, if he dies, he dies. If he dies, he dies.
0: <laughs> It'd been awesome to
1: have the movie and him just repeat those lines through the whole thing, right? <laughs> he is awesome, Dolph Lundgren. Um, in 1987, there was no one else really that could have probably played this role Blonde, muscly. Yeah, you know this. This guy. On a side note, as as you will know, Rick, and as a lot of your listeners will, so it's not just looks and a bit big body though. He is he holds several um, uh, certificates in. He's a drummer for a start, isn't he? And right himself, like um, yep. he does several martial arts. He's a very intelligent guy. He speaks several languages. He was a model as well. There's literally nothing that Dolph Lundgren cannot do. And at one point, he was in a relationship. With Grace Jones, yeah, that's right. That's crazy.
0: Just to see them stand beside each other is awkward enough. so <laughs> but, but it's like who's who's the real person in power here? because I don't know anybody who wants to mess with Grace Jones.
1: <laughs> I think it was Grace every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, you talk about you talk about his list of do's and can't dos or whatever, but achievements, but she's the same way. I mean, it's like she did it all. yeah, I mean, so, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps more, because she had a, a bit of a pop career as well, you know? Yes, so. yes. Yeah, I mean, she she had several popular videos over here. So, uh, yeah. How about, how about Frank Langella, man? Wow. He... I love Frank Langella, man. He, believe it or not, this is going to be a little controversial, but he's almost my favorite Dracula.
1: Yeah, I've heard that said quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, Weirdly, uh, this movie is Dolph Lundgren's least favorite role, or it was anyway for a long time. But it's mm-hmm. Frank Langella's, and still is his favorite role Out of all the movies he's made and all the awards he's won, yeah. because it pleased his children, um, because they 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 begged him to play Skeletor, who they were all playing with, you know, <laughs> the toy, and he is awesome in this, and he sells it yeah. with that make and the make. To me, the makeup is great,
0: absolutely. Um, you know, yep.
1: I feel like when the Captain America movie came out, the Red Skull, that was, apart from maybe the nose being missing, they kind of based some of that makeup on this because, you know, it sells, sells a skeletal face to you. And it yep. looks great. But he can act through it, can't he, Rick? Yeah. Oh, boy.
0: And that's what's different, right? Because Skeletor normally doesn't have eyes or anything. So, yeah, it's different. And and that's, you know, if we talk about the, the actual struggles this movie has, it's because – If you relate it to the comic or or the cartoon, then yeah, I can see where you would kind of go, meh, this, this, this. I didn't grow up really with the cartoon. I was a little old for it. So, you know, I was already 12, 13, 14 when this stuff was coming out. So I was kind of past that phase. So I have no problems with any of this in the movie because it's like I didn't know the folklore enough, you know, the canon, if you will, (laughs) (laughs) the canon movie, but. So, yeah, I mean uh, his eyes do so much in this movie because that's really what he's got to show, right? And uh, so it's awkward to see Skeletor have eyes, but as far as telling the story and the acting, it works great. I I even said on the the episode I recorded before was one of the standout things I think
1: in this was for that time… That makeup's pretty incredible. I And I agree. For a canon movie as well, you know? And yeah. I feel, and I stand by this comment. I've said it in the past. He gives an almost Shakespearean performance. Yes, Um, There's a line he uses, which still gives me chills now, where he says, tell me about the loneliness of good, He-Man. Is it it equal to the loneliness of evil? And the way he delivers that line in a a movie based on toys, (laughs) it's like, whoa. (laughs) So good.
0: Oh, the writer was working on it that day, man. (laughs) We got Meg Foster in this movie. Evil Lynn. I mean. Yeah, I mean, she's she's in pretty much everything we love. I mean, we we even messaged each other back and forth before this, and we were like, who doesn't love Meg Foster,
1: right? That's right. Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. No, I was just just say she she kind of steals the show here. She's awesome in this, and I was I was nine when this movie came out. Um, So, I'm just going back to what you said. It didn't bother me, and I'm one of the biggest He-Man and the Masters Universe fans you'll you'll ever meet, as you you know. It's a big thing for me, and and still is in some ways. But it didn't bother me that there was no Battle Cat. It didn't bother me that it took place on Earth. I hear all these people moaning about that, but to me, it was just so cool to see he-man represented in live action when when you're nine or ten you know but meg foster when when i i was scared of her in this scared of beast man as well but i was scared of meg foster in this and i i always assumed those weren't her real eyes and growing up and becoming a movie fan and watching every movie i've ever seen her in man those are her real eyes they are the yeah the most beautiful slash scariest eyes you'll ever see, I think. They they burn a hole right through you.
0: <laughs> they do. It's its weird. I mean, they just do. And because I've, I've got to meet her in, in real life, too. And its it, it has that effect because it looks so unnatural, you know, and uh, super nice. She's, she's a little space cadet now, but, uh, you know, still very I, approachable. <laughs> I was going to
1: ask you, actually, um, on a side note. What? Who from this cast have you met? So that's have you met any other of this cast? That's I know that's the only
0: person I've met is Meg Foster out just of this. Meg.
1: Group. Okay, yeah. that's cool. That's that's a good yeah. one to meet. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And and again, she's been in so much stuff. I mean, uh, but I, I tell you, and I, I you know I, I sent you the message earlier. Her performance in, in Shrinking Heads really caught me by surprise because I really had no idea it was even her. For is some it a reason,
1: Little Big bow or something she plays or in that. Yeah.
0: Big, yeah, big, big, and, yeah. and of course she's got. Obviously, contact lenses in, so just she don't have her crazy eye color, and she's, you know, dressed in a different form, and and all this stuff. It's, I tell you what, it's impressive because mm. didn't know it was her.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's and amazing.
0: Literally had to go back and watch it again, and then pull up pictures to make sure,
1: yep, that, that's that's <laughs> her. Wow. Well, yeah, as I listened to that episode of your show, actually, um, I, funny enough, Googled the image because yes. I haven't seen it. But, um, well, Googled, Googled. You're, you're better off just looking at the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, as I said to you, you watch the movies, so we don't have to. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time anyway. <laughs> oh. But yeah, uh,
0: Courtney Cox, right? After she got through dancing with the boss, you know, dancing in the dark. Yeah. We're going to be in a, in, in masters of universe.
1: Yeah. She plays Julie, the, uh, damsel in distress and, um, she gets blasted by Skeletor and gets a gross green slime on her leg. Uh, but, yeah, she, God, she, she's so very young in this. Yeah. Um, but my wife watched the last part of this with me because, um, I, I when, you know, whenever I talk movies with somebody on a show, I always like to recap the movie, as we all do. And uh, she said to me, why is she wearing that really strange nightgown that you'd find a 90-year-old woman wearing in the 30s? Uh, and then she runs out in the street in it as well. Very pretty girl, but I've no idea what that nightgown is about. But S- somebody made costs. that
0: made that uh, that uh, creative decision.
1: Uh, now she's going to wear this. <laughs> it, it would have been golem, or someone would have come on the set with the cigar. <laughs> I like her right. to wear this one. Yeah, yeah, very wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> we want everybody to think of her as girl next door.
0: Yeah,
1: that's, okay. that's what every American girl wears, right? So. <laughs> You you
0: know that kind of conversation had to happen because of of who we're talking about. And again, yeah. folks, even if you watch this movie or not, you need to check out
1: uh, Electric Boogaloo, uh, the wild it, untold story of <laughs> Canon Films, the documentary. It's, unbelievable, it's a- unbelievable, and this is just this this movie
0: is just a drop in the bucket of <laughs> what really this movie company did, and and just the outlandish money they spent. And decisions were made just like that. I mean, just <laughs> – and, uh, yeah, that's – I highly recommend. If you like any kind of documentaries, that's just a top-shelf one to me. I agree. It's I've so watched so it fun. several times. <laughs> uh, Billy Barty. I grew up with Billy Barty. Yeah, he,
1: who doesn't love Billy
0: Barty? Saturday mornings, uh,
1: Sigmund the Sea Monster, all the Sid and Marty Croft stuff. Uh, did y'all have a lot of that stuff over there? No, but I grew up with him because he was in—he's um, in Legend. Uh yes. He's in Willow. So yeah. when it came to little people, uh, you needed someone who was a bit of a wizard in a gang of little people. He's the guy that got cast. You know, Willow Afghood. <laughs> he's right. the guy that sends Willow on his mission. He's the—I can't remember who he plays in Legend. Uh, he's in it, I know, because I recognise his voice. Yeah. And then, obviously, he plays Gwildor, and this the, you know, the yeah. Cosmic Key. Which, which is
0: Smith. almost the same character from from Willow. I mean, it, from a,
1: yeah. a Legend.
0: It's almost that same type of, of character, really. And, again, yeah. it's the voice, right? Because there nobody sounds like Billy Barty. No. But, uh, but, yeah, Saturday mornings, there was a company called Sid and Marty Croft. Uh, the Croft Super Show. Sounds and, awesome. Uh, you ever heard of H.R. Puffin stuff? Yes, I have, indeed. That was kind of the start of... Sid and Marty Croft so okay. it's basically a couple of dudes smoking a lot of pot building a bunch of puppets and recording it <laughs> amazing <laughs> say hey I got an idea for this show how about we have a talking flute <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I think that was a lot of the the, the kids programming in the 60s and 70s, uh, and even going into the early 80s. A lot of the shows I revisited from my childhood, I think, man, these guys were on some serious stuff when they came up with this. Dude, there, there's a tree in H.R. Puff and stuff that looks like Jimi
0: Hendrix. I mean, there's no I've,
1: doubt. I, I know that tree.
0: I've seen that tree. <laughs> there, there is no doubt these guys
1: were <laughs> – Hey, puffing stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, it's in the name. It's in the it? name. They weren't trying to hide it, really. <laughs> but there was there was Lidsville. There
0: was Sigmund the Sea Monster, which he was the Sea Monster, which is you know you don't see him. It's it's an outfit kind of thing. Uh, yeah, man, he was just he was my childhood. Did you yeah. ever see Night
1: Patrol? <laughs> Night Patrol, I don't I don't know. It's a
0: low budget kind of almost like trying to be a a more CD police academy kind of thing, right? It had, had Linda Blair in it. Uh, wow. Billy Barty, a lot of people that were on the gong show, a lot of the hosts that were on the gong show. Okay. I need to immediately seek this movie out and add it yeah, to my list. He, he plays the police, uh, chief. So he's, uh, <laughs> he's Linda Blair's boss. And he walks around and he farts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
1: <laughs> You're selling it to me. So exactly. Well. I mean, it's such it's such a bizarre, bad movie, right? But I mean, uh, to be honest, you had me at a CD police academy. You had yes. me at that. To yeah. be honest with
0: you. And the jokes are kind of hit and miss because Linda Blair's name is Sue Superman. Oh my god. Superman. Yeah, Superman. <laughs> and then Billy Marty does this thing. He says, "Look, look, Sue, I ain't got time for your crap tonight." She's like, "Oh." Every time you say that, I get weak, and it goes, Crap tonight, crap tonight.
1: That is amazing. <laughs> I am here for that. That sounds like uh, something I talked about to you a few days ago, um, the naked gun, those kind of jokes for yep. me. They yep. still land for me. I love right. all that kind of stuff. So I'll be this, checking that out for sure. This
0: is just on this side of that. It's <laughs> It's got Andrew Dice Clay in it. I mean, it's got – it's such a bizarre lineup. It's, it's, it's all stand-up comedians from the 70s. And they just threw them together and made this really bizarre movie. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the Gong Show, but it's, it's all about. The I, un- I know the Gong Show, yeah. It's all about the unknown comic. Yeah. <laughs> it's what this whole movie is about. Okay. <laughs>
1: it's just, again, it's so strange. But yeah, if you can't find it, let me know. I'll get it for you. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out. and uh, Yeah, I'll let you know. You'll be my, my go-to for Night Patrol if I can't right. find it. So we've gotten <laughs> a way off base here. Uh, um, Billy Barty plays Guildor guys, sorry, just I'll bring us back yes. on track. And as we know, Rick, Guildor was a replacement for favorite famous psychic to He Man in the cartoons. Right. Orco, the magician the legless magician yep. who floated around and always dropped a pie on man-at-arms or <laughs> did did something ridiculous um and everybody laughed at him at the end and he quite often did the moral but as you can imagine in 1986 when this was being been shot um they didn't have any kind of a budget for a floating magician that uh could do magic so they got rid of him and just brought in a little person aka billy barty put on some makeup and said run around and uh you're, you're the orco of this movie. Right, right. There and I love go.
0: it. That's canon magic, folks. That's just what they do. And, and uh, do you know
1: what? And you'll know that. I'm sure you know this. But Mattel, that made all the toys, they did um, a very small run of toys based off of this. Yeah. So they did Blade. Um, they did uh, Saw Rod, And you could press a button and sparks come out. And they made a Gwildor. <laughs> so and Sorod was never a character. So, two characters that Canon came up with became Canon can <laughs> in the Masters it, yeah. of the Universe because they are now in all the cartoons because the, the cartoons are still being made. Kevin Smith, you know. Yep. And these guys that Canon came up with are now in, in all of these yeah. movies and stuff. It's like, wow, someone made a decision and yep. the snowball kept
0: on rolling. Well, and that's the thing, right? If you if you're looking hard enough, you're gonna find the cool things that are in this, even if you're a fan of the original. So, and again, I think to my advantage, I just didn't grow up with it. I mean, I know who He Man was. And I knew he, he, you know, rode the Battle Cat and all that stuff. But, uh, you would rather Battle Cat not be in there instead of being in there and look crappy, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of your choices, especially in this time frame, right? Because you didn't have any CGI stuff. I mean, it was still, you know, it, it was a big deal for when they opened up the key and it does the little overhead vortex looking thing, right? That was do, a big deal. Do,
1: do, <laughs> do, do, do. I love that. <laughs> so good. But yeah, I mean, that's an amazing effect. But it's all practical, obviously, apart from the, the lights, you know. Uh, right. And that's, what, that's how they kept this movie cheap. They shot it. it that He-Man came to Earth. Right, you know, right. There's only two minutes of them being on Planet Eternia at the beginning, because otherwise you'd have had to make a Star Wars movie on a whole right. other planet. And the cheapest way to do it, come to Earth. Yep. And that's I tell you what, I even
0: again, I, you're, you're referencing what I'd recorded before. And I said, I think the, the problem this movie has, if it's if you want to look at it as a problem, what kept it from being mega big is the fact that this feels like it should have been the second movie. Right, mm, you almost yeah. do the the Star Trek thing, right? Get it established, get it going, and then the third or fourth movie, then you come to Earth.
1: <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, because it's fun to see He Man and Skeletor as a fish out of water. But you're right; it would have been, be, have been great to see them get get the story
0: developed first as a yeah. as an opening flick. Create that that contrast between the two, and then you got something you can base it on where they're chasing each, each other through time. Just saying. I mean, I mean, I That's know they great. had to. They had to find a place where they could start it and end it, just like with, well, when Lucas did the first Star Wars. He had this huge story, and he had to find a starting spot and a starting spot or ending spot, and that's what he went with. And I think that's probably how this came about. I I said, uh, I can imagine one day at work, the door gets kicked open, and either Golan or Globus comes in, or maybe both of them, they go, boys,
1: we found our Star Wars. And he holds up a a little toy figure and says, this is uh, the next Star Wars. (laughs) Right. So, uh,
0: again, uh, the quality is always good. That's one thing I'll say about canon. May not be the the greatest of movies, but the quality is always
1: really good for what it is. Right. Yeah. They put 110 percent into everything they do. That's sure. why they went broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this 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 movie is one of the last few movies that broke the the studio, really, isn't it? Right. Um, yeah. You know, famously, the <laughs> they ran out of money. They that's why the final fight scene between human and Skeletor has got no background because they had no right. background. They'd started dismantling <laughs> the sets because they've <laughs> run out of money. I think Superman three didn't help.
0: I know, right. Superman 4, four. Uh, yeah, four. Didn't,
1: didn't help. And like you said, over the top. And um, what was the other one? Oh, um... One of the last movies they made, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this, was Cyborg yep. with Van Damme, which was actually supposed to be the sequel to this. <laughs> but when this flopped, because no one was buying the toys anymore, because the toys, they came right. too late. They should sure. have made this in the early 80s, not the late 80s. Right. Uh, and No one was into He-Man anymore. It was all the Transformers and whatever the next big thing was. So because this flopped, the script they had written, which was called Masters of the Universe, the Cyborg, they just said, well, we've built all these sets and we've got this script written, what should we do? Get this Belgian kickboxer in, jean Van Damme, and we'll just move the script around a bit and we'll turn it into that. And that became Cyborg with Van Damme, which is, again, one of the last films that Cannon did. Crazy how these yeah. shifts. I love all this kind of stuff in the background, you know? Yeah, that's
0: that's the, the magic, again, of, of a company like this that just kind of... They Don't really have a plan, they just kind of work it out as they go along, you know. It, it does feel like that, doesn't it? They're like, whatever, What, Smith what other 18. franchise this whatever just falls in their lap? They're like, Okay, let's
1: let's go with this, you know. <laughs> oh, a Texas Chainsaw Africa movie, okay, great, yeah. let's let's make that a Superman <laughs> movie, brilliant. What should we do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's you know,
0: legendary, man, but uh pick pick some of your highlights here man what do you what do you think really stands out i mean i know we can go on and on and on because yeah of course there's some great dialogue scenes in this <clears throat> I don't know, just give me some of your
1: favourite stuff. Uh, I mean, one of my favourite characters was, and as I've grown up still is, Ludwig, the detective, who everybody will know as uh, the principal from Back to the Future, and a bunch of other movies, of course, as well. But he is really just this this cop who gets dragged into this intergalactic battle, and he's got all the one-liners, but also doesn't have a clue what's happening. Just keeps... I think one of his... Best lines is nobody takes pat shots at Ludwig. And <laughs> starts blasting his shotgun at Skeletor's henchman uh, He's a highlight for me. Absolutely. Yeah, because
0: because he's the guy that doesn't believe anything's going on. He's he's one of those cops that feels like he's I've seen everything under the sun. You're not going to surprise me. I'm not buying this mess. And then he gets into a situation that obviously he's low man on the totem pole, but. He's
1: not going to take it lying down. He just pulls out the, the revolver and the shotgun and just starts going to town, you know? <laughs> like there's that one scene where he's in the music shop when they, they all arrive, He-Man and, you know, you got to imagine there's this big muscly blonde guy in a, essentially a piece of <laughs> underwear. And he's there with a, a girl in a gimp outfit, Tila, and then her dad with a big moustache and loads of laser guns. And then a little guy who's kind of copying E.T.'s disguise. Uh, and and they, they walk in and he just goes, oh, well, it's a circus in town or something. Just... But then, of course, Ricky, you know, he, he puts in the work and what happens to him in the end scene? He becomes the king. Becomes the king, yeah. So you put the work in, guys, and you become yep. the king. He kind of he he pulls the older. Uh... The old uh,
0: Flash Gordon ending, right? It was like, yeah. ah, I don't think I'll stay around for a while. <laughs> There's a few things here that uh,
1: might keep me here.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and again, that, that again, if you're a fan of the the original show, you're like, oh, wait a minute. He-Man's supposed to be the top king here. So, but I don't know. I, I think some of those twists just makes it so unique. and makes it really fun, man. This This movie is a lot of fun. And it holds up really well. Uh, if anything, I probably like it better now than I did when it came out.
1: Yeah, it's um, I, I think I appreciate it more now. Um, sure. Some of the effects, there's one or two effects that don't quite work anymore. But um, I, as with most of these films and people like you and I, we overlook these things because we love the movie so much. Right. But you're right. It is a lot of fun. It doesn't really stop once it gets going. It's genuinely quite, for me anyway, when I watched this when I was about nine or ten, it was quite scary at times, which I sure. didn't expect. You know, that, that scene in the school gymnasium with the, the Beastman and all the guys oh, yeah. come in. And he kind of picks that guy up, but it's not really mentioned whether the guy survives or not. But Beastman throws his guy across the room by his face. <laughs> it's like, OK. And then there's that scary scene where evil inputs puts the collar on Kevin. and Yeah. And he's sort of speaking in a strange way because he's under some kind of spell. And yeah, I think that is another thing that I highlight for me is the effects. A lot of practical effects in this work. So what the totally agree. and everything. Yeah,
0: I mean to, to even think eighty seven, and you're going to make it to where Skeletor is floating on this ship that comes mm. up beside the side of this huge building. You know, you in this uprise. and it still looks fantastic. And you're going, yeah, hey, this is eighty seven. You know, and Again, we know the company we're talking about here. <laughs> so they pulled off some pretty amazing stuff with what they had. And yeah. again, I still think it just holds up so well. And, and it doesn't take you out of the movie like a lot of the movies do where the effects have kind of really dated. I don't know, man. These these really hold up. It plays to what the story is. And I think that's what makes it acceptable. Um, because
1: it's based on… A galaxy far far away if you will sure. you can, you're willing to you know if the laser looks a certain way or the laser whip looks a certain way you just think well maybe that's just how it looks on that planet you know it, it, whatever it's fine you know what
0: i love the laser whip man yeah it's I mean, cool i even now just looking at it, i'm like you know in the second iron man movie if if the if he would have had those whips instead of the electri- electrical ones that he made i'd been like all right we got some fire now
1: yeah tony stark would have been doomed <laughs> Yeah. I, I, um, I don't know, man. It's cool. T- talking of Marvel, there's two things in this I've noticed that they, that they did back in 87 that Marvel uh, do now. One of them is the end credits sting mm-hmm. because... Guys, if you watch this movie, stick around and you'll see Skeletal pop up right. and say, I'll be back. But he doesn't say it like Arnold. <laughs> uh, um, but he does say, I'll be back, which is crazy because they were so sure that they were going to make the sequel. And obviously, Marvel's known for its end credit scenes. But also, right. there's a bit um in this where, and Marvel likes to do this, and a lot of movies do, and, and I think it is great. Um, you know, as some some people complain it's too obvious, but there's they always do the bit where the girl stands up and she has her like her moment or something, you know? And right. they they've done it in a lot of the later Marvel movies. But there's a bit in this where Teela mm-hmm. uh just kicks a few guys' asses and then sort of says, uh something like um oh, why would i leave it up to the men to do it? and she takes over for a second and then she looks at her dad who's called man at arms and just right. goes woman I, at arms i kind of punched the air a little bit for that one because tila is a bit of a badass in this yeah. you know oh well, yeah
0: well, i mean that's you know that that's what's different too is you don't have a huge group you've only got you know three or four people that are <laughs> sent to earth and that's that's who's running from you know all of the soldiers and stuff that they send who, uh, are just as bad as stormtroopers. They can't hit anything. I
1: mean, they're they're awful. pretty terrible. And
0: they're terrible on
1: those bl- bl- bloody um, hovercraft, hoverboard things. Yeah, that they stole from one of the Highlander movies.
0: Highlander two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's awful. Uh, talking of Teela, I did have, um, and still do have, a very small crush on Chelsea Field that plays Teela. She, um, yeah. I was probably about the right age, and I just thought sure. I like her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you know that's that thing where you know, the 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 good looking, attractive, but they can handle themselves too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, she, she beats everybody up. Then yeah. she's pretty and she's tough. <laughs> oh. But yeah, man, uh, it, it's a it's an excellent revisit. I really enjoyed checking it out again, and you know, I, I had it on my list but it was further down the list as far as what to get to. So when you brought it up, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm in a mood for something like that. I mean, it gives you the Flash Gordon feels, right? Oh, it's, it's, 100%. It's, yeah, it's right there with, with the Flash Gordon flick. Uh, even even the way Dolph kind of looks versus Sam Jones. I mean, you even still got
1: the same kind of feel going on. Yeah, and although he's Swedish, he does give that. And I use quotation marks, but he's that all-American-looking yes. guy—the blonde hair, blue eyes, big, muscly, just like Sam. And yeah, you're right. There is there is some comparison there. And then you obviously it, got Ming and Skeletor. And right, yeah. I mean, so it's it's got
0: that 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 whole trope to it. But also, it's just funny that towards the end of it, when uh, when Skeletor does get the power, and he basically puts on like Dale's wedding dress. <laughs> fight the final battle final battle in (laughs) it's just like when i saw that outfit i was like that looks like that could have been in flash gordon
1: (laughs) i was a bit i was always confused as a kid as to what was happening there because he says i am more than a man i am a god and then he then he turns into what looks like a a building or something or a temple yeah um and it doesn't wear it for long you know he-man wins spoiler alert guys he-man wins (laughs) (laughs) um just in case you're wondering but yeah uh there maybe maybe the
0: outfit change really hurt him, you know. He might have had a good chance if he just stayed in the old, you know, the old uh,
1: uh, the old road. cloth there, you know. Yeah. Well, I agree <laughs> with you, because that looked quite cumbersome, that new outfit, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, you kind of get the Big Trouble Little China Final Battle, the kind of thing going on with the swords and the lights, you know. But again, it works,
1: right? I mean. It does. And that was the thing. One final thing I'll say, because I know we've talked a lot, but. I noticed in this, they do that thing with it that they do in Star Wars, Big Trouble in Little China and lots of other movies where when there's lasers or special effects, the good guys always have the blue explosions yep. and lasers and the bad guys always have the sort of the red ones, don't they? It's just the same in every, yep. all the way through the 80s. It was just this thing. <laughs> you knew who was hitting who because well, the explosion of blue, oh, must have been a good guy. All right.
0: You you have to make it clear to the young viewers of who's winning and who's losing and you know, uh, we teach that a lot at work. You know, color coordination is—you know—everybody's visual, right? Everybody mm-hmm. learns and understands things more visually than they do just by basic comprehension. So, uh, yeah, you have to clarify that stuff, right? So, yeah, that's a—that's another good point. I didn't even think about that, but you're exactly right. Because I remember the reds being, you know, from the bad guys. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> the blue and the blue lasers are from the good guys.
0: Right, of course. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, you, like you said, you got uh, Courtney Cox ends up getting some kind of disease, some kind of space disease. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Skeletoritis, I call it. Skeletoritis.
0: Oh, I like that. And has to go back to uh, to the homeland and, and get a, a Masters of the Universe tetanus shot. That's the only <laughs> thing that'll cure it.
1: <laughs> and there is time travel in this, and it's a very fairy tale ending, isn't it? As well, because. Yeah. Um, to actually talk about the plots we haven't really, other than the man and skeletal fighting. But um, her parents are actually dead; she's an orphan, and she's about to leave the town. But when she gets sent back to her, yeah, to, you know, to to um, to Earth, yeah, Gwildor, and I get, he gives a little wink. So I think he did it on purpose. He sends her back a little bit earlier. So that she can stop her parents from going and pl- doing plane. what I yeah. would call a John Denver, sadly. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, and they, uh, they they went off in their private plane and they died. But they um, she stops that from happening, and wow, it's just a happy happy time. I like to think that while she's in the other universe,
0: that's when Superman spins the world around. So when she comes <laughs> back, it's just been rewound a little bit. All the kind of <laughs> movies are related
1: in some way. It's, it's all
0: intertwined, canon, but... right? Oh. Uh,
1: <laughs> final thoughts man give, give give show your love here final thoughts i have the power no it's um it's <laughs> just it's silly it's it's something for people that remember either the toys of the cartoons or somebody even like yourself that doesn't didn't you know of it Do you know what i mean but i think even if you don't know those and, and i don't know anybody that isn't aware of at least something to do with humanoskeletor like you've just said it's a lot of fun because it doesn't take itself seriously. It's a fantasy movie along the lines of *Crawl*, Willow, these yep. kind of movies, Flash Gordon, that we love to watch and we talked off air. Sometimes you just need to escape from what's going on in the world. And this is the kind of movie that you can put on for 90 minutes and just laugh at, cheer at, you know, and ultimately you know the good guys are gonna win. So you're quite happy and comfy. And I love it. Yep. Love that's, it. It's exactly what it
0: is. It's, it's escapism. You you throw reality aside and just entertainment, right? And uh, you can say that about a lot of canon films because if you're looking for reality, you're not going to get it. <laughs> if you're looking for Chuck Norris, you're in the right place. you're looking for Chuck Norris, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'll tell you what, let's give this a rating because I always do ratings on the show. Uh, we, we do one through five. It's the basically the thing. It's it's I stole it from Duncan, right? <laughs> you, you know uh three means you like it four means you really like it and five means you love it and then the other two is you know to your yeah. discretion right so i'm gonna give this a four out of five right cool that's where it sets with me i really like this one so uh that's a it's a great flick
1: yeah and i agree it, it deserves a four out of five because it's perfect not perfect by any means but as you knew I was going to give it, I'll give this a five, just because it's one of my comfort blanket movies. uh, And it's a rewatch and a rewatch and a rewatch for me. And it just reminds me of really good times and being a kid. And and I've got a lot of love for this movie. Um, (laughs) And the more people I hear um, say horrible things about it, which isn't that much these days, but there was a period where it was cool to this, this movie, the more right. I defend it, the more I say, no, but you don't get it. But but right. now I'm just like, you know what, if you don't like this movie, you're missing out, because this right. is cool. Yeah, you're just hurting yourself, right? Because you're, you're
0: leaving out a, a great flick. You know, if it's a standalone thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, so Dan also was with me with, uh, when I did but was before this show, which was Rad Movie-Rama, and My most listened to episode was mannequin, which was me and Dan. So Dan, mannequin, Masters of the Universe.
1: Which one's which one's higher? Oh Masters of the Universe. Whoa, all right. Okay. But what about if we combine them and it was he mannequin? He mannequin. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Sure. Of the two, of all the movies in the world we could have got together to talk about, we've talked about Mannequin and a Canon movie based on toys. It's brilliant. Again,
0: that that's why you and I connect, right? Because it's (laughs) it's it's such a vast love of movies that is, let's just say it's dipped in eighties cheese, right?
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) lots of cheese.
0: Pour it all over it, man. (laughs) Extra cheese on mine, right? (laughs) Oh, awesome, man. I I'm so glad you joined me for this, and like I said, folks. Podcast on Haunted Hill. It's on Legion Network. I'm sure you guys are available everywhere you listen to pods. We are indeed. You got to listen to them, man. I'm telling you, you're, you're missing out. Just like you're missing out on Master Universe, you're missing out on podcast on Haunted Hill. So you need to do yourself a favor and check that out. And hey, check out my good buddy Dan. And
1: okay. also,
0: you and RJ. Indeed. That?
1: Yeah, hup, I got that one up because that's I new got, stuff. Yeah, it's a newer show that I do with RJ, who is our mutual friend, RJ McCready, not his real name. (laughs) Um, And that show is called The Blame It On The Aliens podcast. Uh, And we cover conspiracy theories or urban legends. And basically the the point of the show is, we will go into detail on these subjects, but we try to pin everything on the people in the sky that are watching us, the aliens. There we go. Fantastic B movie noise there. Well done. Well at least I'm good at
0: something. right?
1: <laughs> I can do that and I can go hell ming. That's about it. I love the hell. I was gonna ask if we were gonna get one of those. I was gonna ask.
0: Oh. Uh, so I, I remember one,
1: one episode I, I did that and Danny's was like, was that you?
0: I was like, Yeah. He's like, well, that's pretty good.
1: It is very good. Hell ming love it. I love hearing it.
0: <laughs> man, I appreciate you hanging out with me for this, man.
1: Appreciate sure you do. having me on. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it must get lonely driving up and down, uh, being Dr. Movie. So I'm happy to be your Dom DeLuise uh, whilst, <laughs> whilst we cannibal run along. The <laughs> My <road>. Captain
0: Chaos. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, man yeah man that's awesome you know it's again the solo thing works because of just the time frame but it's always nice to get together and collaborate on stuff so i i appreciate you coming on and again uh we're gonna we're obviously gonna do this again right coming up
1: real soon so i'll be back like skeleton says i'll be back
0: (laughs) that's bad when you have to clarify which quote right (laughs) yeah Uh, i'll be back but but it's not arnold right (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. We will check you later.